Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, hello and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, and Ryan Pay all here with you again this week. Boys, the Pistons, uh, they're not doing so hot. A win a couple days ago versus Atlanta, able to get the job done there, then they go to Milwaukee and... Uh, lose in a lopsided affair, down, or at least it turned into a lopsided affair down the stretch. We'll get into all that, but first of all, boys, how we doing today? Everybody okay? Just checking in? Uh, we're here, aren't we? That's, we're here. That's yeah, kinda, that's, that's, that's about the, right now. That's about it. We're I tr- here. I tried we're to, doing this. I tried to bring the positive tone, but I, I'll tell you, A, my voice is a little hoarse today, so I'm going to apologize, but B, I, I mean, we're talking about a 5-11 and 11 ball club. We're talking about a team that just went to Milwaukee, and uh, you know they got they got run out of town. And the problem is, it was a winnable game. It was a winnable game, and the Pistons hung in there, hung in there, and then all of a sudden, just let it slip. And once it imploded, man, it imploded. It was a winnable game where Detroit didn't have three of their starters. Like that's how awkward of a game it was. No Reggie Jackson. No Tony Snell and no Blake Griffin. Yet the Pistons were very much in that game for the first three quarters and had opportunities where the Bucks weren't playing that well. And, you know, they turned the ball over 21 times throughout the night. It was certainly a game that the Pistons were in. And, you know, if they were able to capitalize on in the way that they're capable of, they could have won it. But ultimately they come up short and Milwaukee's able to pull away later in the game. Um but it was a it was a weird game. I didn't have any expectations going into it for Detroit to win, but with just how the game played out, the Pistons had an opportunity to win, but they can never get over the hump. They can never uh, put together a big enough run. They couldn't knock down enough cons- uh, consistent shots, and they weren't able to win. I think that's the perfect way to put it is that I felt the same way. I had no expectations going in the game to win at all. But just the way the game kept playing out, it the opportunity was in a sense there, and they there was no consistent play in the end. Um, it just missed shots when you went, especially when you're missing three stars and Luke Kennard struggling as bad right. as he was shooting. You're essentially you're, down four starters. You're down four starters at that point, and they were still in the game. And like that's what's the most frustrating about it. Even not even, like I don't even know how to like word it or phrase it. It was just. It was there, and not that they were going to win, but the opportunity, in a sense, was there. The opportunity was there because Giannis didn't have a you know, MVP caliber game, and that's crazy because he still had 28 and 10 and shot 55% from the field, but it wasn't like he was just murdering the Pistons, and no one else on the Bucks really did all too much. Wesley Matthews had 13, Eric Bledsoe had 11, but... You know, besides those three guys, no one else scored in double figures. The Bucks only scored 104 points. They turned the ball over 21 times, and it just felt like a game that the Pistons could have won. They, you know, the Bucks shot only 50% from the stripe. They missed nine free throws. They shot 35% from the three-point line. But the Pistons just couldn't make enough baskets. It was just poor stretches and missed opportunities. Yeah. Like- I, I don't know how else to put it right there. For a team that it, it, they they rank in the NBA as one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league, they shot 28.6% from the three-point line last night, 10 of 35. And just from watching the team on a nightly basis, I, I mean, I guess that Atlanta game inflates the percentage because they shot the ball so well against a team that they ended up blowing out. So I guess that's one of those games that inflates the numbers. But in the more competitive games, it just seems like Detroit's never shooting the ball well. Uh, you're not wrong. I mean, you're definitely not wrong. It's, I, uh, it's just frustrating. I don't even know. I, I've got so many thoughts running through my head about it, and I don't know. It's just, it, I don't know. Go ahead, Brendan. It, it, I got it's nothing. Just, it's frustrating, and that's I think the biggest problem is we're all just kind of left at a loss of words. Like, what do you even say? Because they're playing so poorly for long stretches. 
but they're they're better than that. You know what right. I mean? Like you see that Atlanta game, and Atlanta, you know, they get down, but then all of a sudden it's like, all right, ten zero run, twelve zero run, seventeen zero run. Oh, they're just killing it throughout the end of the first quarter into the second. It's like, dang, if we could play like that a little more consistently. This team, they looked like the best team in the Eastern Conference there for a great stretch. And then it's just like, where does that team go? Not that they have to play at 20-0 clips all the time, but they're just, they're better than the product they're putting out there. And I don't know if it's Dwayne Casey's lineups, his schemes, something off with the chemistry. It doesn't seem like it's a chemistry problem. I don't know what it is, but they are not putting it together for more than a few minutes Mm -hmm. at a time or one game at a time. Like, uh... Atlanta. The problem is you have a you have a mixture of risks. One of those risks is you have youth. You know, you have some youth in Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard, and we've seen both of them play really well. We've seen both of them struggle at times. Then number two, you're built around a couple of injury prone guys. Number one, Blake Griffin. You know, of course, Reggie Jackson not being in the mix. And then Derrick Rowe is expected to be an integral part, and he's missing time here and there, and at times limited, whether it's, you know, it's management, load management, or if it's due to a minor injury or whatever the case may be. You know, so now there's games where you're missing him. And when you have youth and then you have players that can't stay healthy, you can't, A, build chemistry, and B, just get into a flow. There's no flow. You watch this team on offense, and there's just no flow. There's nothing there. It's it's a hard watch. It, their offense is has got a serious issue right now because it's way too stagnant. There's not enough movement in. Even in the beginning of the season when the persons weren't playing great, it still felt like there was more movement to the right. offense. Maybe against Atlanta, you know, they played well enough where they, you know, they were able to blow out a bad team. But you go back to the Milwaukee game, and it's like, there it is again, an offense that just wasn't moving. And when you're not moving, you're not going to make shots. And they already weren't making shots in the first place. They scored 90 freaking points. In today's day, like, that's embarrassing. Right. And the thing is, it doesn't need to be overly complex. It doesn't need to be the, the, the most intense schematics of any team in the NBA. There just needs to be something. And part of the problem, too, is with Blake working his way back into the mix, he's a ball stopper. Like, he slows down that offense. He'll catch, he'll look, he'll post up, he'll take his time. And that's not taking a knock on Blake, but it changes the way the offense played through the first 11 games of the year before Blake returned. You know? It's changed. It's been an adjustment period. You can see it. And now you're adjusting to Blake's style, but then, oh, Blake's not playing tonight. So you want to pick it back up. And then, okay, Blake's back. Now you're slowing it back down. Though, okay, you're on a back-to-back. Now Blake's not playing tonight. Okay, we want to pick it back up. And it's hard for those young guys especially to to balance that out. It would be tough for any player to do so. Maybe once you have a little bit more experience and whatever under your belt and you figure out ways to adjust to that in time, it gets better. But right now... That flow is terrible. And it's not a knock on Blake because he's a hell of a player, but you're playing two totally different styles of basketball when he is and is not on the floor, and you just don't have the group of guys that necessarily can adjust to that. No, you're right. When you're as young as you are outside of Blake and uh, Derrick Rose, I you there needs to be, there's a chemistry that needs to be built. There's a flow that needs to be built. And when guys are going in and out, in and out, in and out, it's going to be rough. It's not going to take shape. And that's part of the reason why I'm not mad that Dwayne Casey left Blake Griffin in in that Atlanta game and sat him on the back-to-back against Milwaukee. Yep. Because Greg Kelser said it. It looks like Dwayne Casey's trying to build some chemistry and some flow in this game, and that's why Blake's staying in. Right. And I'm not mad at that. That needs to happen. And here's the other thing. I am not going to put my doubt yet in Dwayne Casey a guy that has gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals several times with a good but not great Toronto roster. A guy that last year helped the Pistons get to the playoffs with a average to maybe slightly above average roster. You know, made it work with what he had. And I have right now still total confidence in the guy. He's a proven NBA coach, and he's also not a... 
you know, proven but stuck in old habits. Like he's won in the modern game. So I trust him. So I'm not putting this on Dwayne Casey like some people are. And I know some people are freaking out about his lineups and and also keeping Blake in in that Atlanta game when they could have sat him. But you have to look at the, the holistic point here of, A, you don't want Blake to sustain another injury. And if it means some early season load management, then that's what it takes. And B, you're right. Building that chemistry, and and there's something to be said for playing on the floor together while you're playing well. Yes, oh, have to be. You know, some could say, well, why not sit and then play again versus Milwaukee, and then continue to build chemistry. Well, because you're you're gelling right now. You're playing well right now. That's when the real exactly when you're making those highlight plays, when you're hitting that three, when you're already up 17, 20 points, and you're pulling away, and and you're like having fun. That's where you gel and you grow. That's where you really learn everyone's tendencies and what they want to do on the court. Mm -hmm. When you're having fun, that's when it all comes out. All the talking, like chatting on the floor, the communication. Uh, hey, I like to do this and this and so on. Like that's where it all comes out. When you're having that fun, when you're gelling, that's when you're a real. That's when your real like excitement, your passion for the game comes out, and that's how you really build your chemistry and your flow. And that's how you really learn your teammates. Not when everything sucks and no one's talking and we're struggling on the court because we can't do anything against Milwaukee. You're not learning anything then. You're just learning how much. What I don't know. Like it's just. When you're gelling, your point, Brendan, is perfect. I think on that. It's it, the difference is, you're 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 like, when you are are gelling, and you're playing a game like Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. You're taking, if you compare it to like learning a subject or learning different material, when you understand the material, and now you're making all the connections and everything's clicking, and you're taking those slow steps to building it, but you're building that confidence. I mean, think of a kid, you're a kid learning math, right? And you're finally understanding, you know, addition, subtraction. So you start to take the next step towards, you know, whatever, multiplication, right? And you're taking those steps and you're finally understanding what some of those basic factors, basic, you know, common principles are. You're building confidence in your ability. And now you go into the next game, it's kind of like, okay, hey, you did well in that, let's just go right on to division. You know, or you got multiplication, division, all right, we're going long division, screw it. Uh, maybe you need to take a little more time to firm up knowing those basics, right? And you feel confident. Now when you feel confident and that next challenge comes, you're going to be better prepared. The excitement's because you're there. Me- exactly. The excitement's the, there. When you're you struggling and you're not getting it, you don't want to learn it. You don't want to grow. Like it, it just shuts it down. Right. So if you're mad about Blake Griffin playing a lot in that Atlanta game, frankly, you're wrong. I, I don't know how else to say it. Right. I don't like to tell people they're wrong because opinions not, are allowed. It's but not you're wrong. Fe- it's not. It's also. It's not February. Yes. If this was February, it'd be different. But it's not. The, it is November. The team needed that. They needed that confidence. They needed that groove in that game. Aaron, you got anything? So at first, I was mad about Blake Griffin being on the court. But Ryan, you and Brendan have really done a great job <laughs> convincing me otherwise. No, but. If the plan was for Blake to sit against Milwaukee, then it's fine. My expectation was that Blake was going to play against Milwaukee. So, oh my! My expectation the whole time was he wasn't going to play. Yeah, I think that, I guess that's where we differ too. Yeah, I mean, I just—they're not putting Blake on the injury report, you know, for anything. Like he's been off the injury report, so they're just resting him in these back-to-back games. So I didn't know if that was going to be a continued hey, thing. Like I've said, though, and I said this last year, too, I would rather see us, especially early in the season, I'd rather see us take the games versus the Atlantas and the Clevelands and the teams that we should beat, and, and I'd rather have us just play Blake there and ensure we get the win. And if we're going to play Milwaukee on a back-to-back, traveling to Milwaukee, hey, Guess what? Blake needs the night off in November. Take the night off, right? I want Blake feeling rested and healthy so he gets that all-star break. And as long as the Pistons can maintain competitiveness, and yeah, they're 5-11, and 11, but they're only a game and a half out of the playoffs, okay? If they could stay within three games of the playoffs, even four games of the playoffs going into the all-star break, 
if you get healthy and Blake feels good and you can make a push, that's where this team's at. This team is not winning the NBA Finals. This team is likely not even winning a playoff series. So you got to take a look at this and either say, hey, blow it up, finish at the bottom, and take the draft pick. Or B, if you're going to make a push, then you're going to have to take a strategic you approach to You have to, to absolutely it. strategically handle it well. That's not wrong. That's not wrong. And it, you know, that's kind of, yeah, you're right, Brendan. That's kind of where the Pistons are at right now. As frustrating as that is, but. Oh, that's terribly frustrating. I don't mean to keep cutting you off, but you're right. That's also terribly frustrating. But you got to be honest with yourself. Yes. You got to be honest with yourself. The other thing I wanted to, to kind of bring up here, talking about struggling, is, is Luke Kennard. Because over the last five games, he has really had some issues playing basketball. He's not looked the same. And he popped up on the injury report against Milwaukee. Uh, he was questionable to play. Obviously, he played, but he didn't play well. And he hasn't really played well since the second half of the Miami game, which was five, six games ago. I mean, are we concerned? Not yet. Things happen. Maybe it's a little minor thing, something that, you know, at first wasn't even worth putting on the injury report, but it's something minor, nagging. You never know when you have travel, when you're playing a lot of games. And, again, the Pistons have played a lot of games early on. Um, So am I worried yet? No. Maybe in a week from now, if, if things haven't turned around and Luke doesn't have a nice little game somewhere along the next stretch, then yeah, maybe maybe there's a little bit more concern. He's still a young player. These are the most minutes he's played. He's adjusting to that, that volume of minutes. He's adjusting to this volume of a role, the amount of shots per game. Teams are game planning for exactly. him. Exactly. That's on, a different game. He's, he's a focal point of the report now. Before it was like, hey, yeah, this guy comes in off the bench. Here's his tendencies. Here's what he does. You know, but it's kind of uh, he's there. You know, acknowledge that. Now it's hey, yeah, this guy's putting up twenty some points a game. His this guy can ball out. This guy can stroke it, right? So you got to adjust to that. And, and he's got to learn how to play. And he exactly. hasn't figured it out yet. He's learning. And he's, he's another learning. confidence guy. Exactly. We've talked about confidence with a few players. Which is exactly, again, why when you see that like Atlanta game, Luke should be out there just strapping it. You know? In games like that, early. Early. It's not February. In February, you kind of know what you are. But in November, this is the time to do it. Yes. Until Christmas, this is the time to do it. Yeah, if this, if this continues on, my panic meter will be through the roof. For him. Right. But we're still early enough where I'm like, okay, this is tough. This kind of sucks. But I think he can, he's going to learn and he's going to figure it out. Right. That's Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at as well. Um, I think, Brennan, you made some good points. I just, just want to see Kennard be able to thrive. And the way that he's played, it's, it's really hurt the Pistons. Because in a game like yesterday against Milwaukee... You would have liked to have seen him have one of those those nights okay. where it's okay. Luke Kennard's game, it's Luke Kennard's night, it's Luke Kennard's show with no Blake Griffin. A good Kennard, like a real good Kennard last night, definitely changes that game. Absolutely. Hey, like, changes that game. This is another reason, though, why, why Luke Kennard needs to be starting. Because this is where Luke is going to learn how to play through being on the scouting report. This is, yeah, exactly. No, this is what we're going to learn. What we truly have in Luke. And it's happening. Is Luke our sixth man guy or right. is he like legit? And you're going to have the same thing with Bruce Brown. And I know Bruce was on the scouting report last year as a two guard, but he's going to learn that people are going to be watching his tendencies as a point guard and the things he does. And they already know him a little bit, but now seeing him in a more ball dominant role, they're going to make some adjustments to that. And Bruce is going to learn how to play through it too. And obviously he got a little bit of a later start to being the, the main point guard on the roster. So people are still maybe figuring it out and watching those little things, gaining that film on him. It's going to happen to Bruce, too. And be ready for it. That is going to happen. And he is he, maybe he doesn't struggle, maybe he does. I don't know. But he's going to learn how to play through that. Whether he thrives, whether he doesn't, it will happen to him, too. And, and that's the thing that people have to acknowledge. Again, I don't know what the expectations are for this Pistons team, but I know some people are just freaking out, and it's like, hey, let's just be real with ourselves, especially with Reggie Hurt and Blake only playing every other game, essentially. This is not a good basketball team. 
It's not. Bruce and Bruce and Luke are young and have futures and can be a very integral part of a good basketball team. But they're not there yet. They're not. And you know, as we get closer to the deadline and to see where the Pistons kind of shake out end of January, then the conversation's going to come up about what do you do with Andre? What do you do with Reggie? I, I think we've all kind of explained our or expressed our agreement we don't see Reggie coming back next year so if you're moving on from Reggie is it time to move on from Dre is it time to accept a trade offer and get something so he doesn't just walk away um, you know or do you just let him walk and take take the money that opens up on the books that's an option too but there's not a ton of free agents that are out there that have you you know ooing and eyeing I think this is a Pistons team that if they're going to move on from Dre you're going to be looking at picks that's a conversation for down the road but bottom line is this is just not that good of a basketball team. And that's not being negative. That's not you know, I don't want I, I hate when people are freaking out about Dwayne Casey and the people are gonna start calling for his job. Like you weren't calling for his job last year when the Pistons backed into the playoffs and they still got in though. You know? And and if you are a real basketball mind and you truly understand what's going on, you could have watched the near collapse at the end of the year. From and recognize, hey, the Pistons could have been a six seed, yet they got the eight and almost didn't get it. And if you weren't calling for his job after that and saying, hey, I don't like this, you know, I don't want to hear you right now. I don't want to hear. It's you. not like Dwayne Casey's even got his the the roster to coach. No, exactly. No Blake Griffin. No Reggie Jackson. Now no Tony Snell. Derrick Rose has missed a bunch of games. Uh huh. Like it. Everyone has gotten hurt. Like. And and last night, the, the Milwaukee game, Dwayne Casey puts out a terrible lineup. It was an awful lineup to start the fourth quarter. It was uh-huh. Tim Frazier, Bruce Brown. Um, Thon. Thon. Was it Christian Wood? Chris. And then who was the three? I don't even know. Was it Speed? Was it Speed? And it was a terrible lineup. But it was on the court for 79 seconds. <laughs> it obviously didn't work. And the Pistons called a timeout. And Twitter went awry. Calling for Dwayne Casey's the job. Only as good as the cards you're dealt, though. Like, what is he? You gotta like, recognize that I, they were losing. Like, I don't blame him for trying something new. Was it a terrible lineup? Yes. Did I tweet that it was a terrible lineup? Yes. But I didn't say Dwayne Casey needs to lose his job for trying out a new lineup for 79 seconds. What did we talk about before the season? We think this Pistons team can be solid, you know, six seed or so. But worst case scenario would be everyone getting injured. What has happened? Worst case scenario. Right. Blake, Derek, Reggie, um, Tony Snell. Injuries yep. have piled up. Yep. This team has hit worst case scenario. Absolutely. Which means that the front office is going to have to ask themselves, you know, they're going to have to take one of two stances. A, we're hurt. We want to give this group a chance. And we're going to give them a chance. B, we're hurt. And guess what? We're always hurt. We're done playing the hurt game. We're done playing with these injury-prone players, and we're moving on. Could we get more injury-prone players, and could that cost us our jobs? Sure. But guess what? Chances are, riding out this injury-prone group isn't going to keep you employed. Because if they do, you got to think about it. If you're if you're the front office and you're thinking about keeping your job, right? Let's say you bring back these injury-prone players. They come back for your Pistons have some success. Maybe they even make the second round of the playoffs. Dre has already played through his first big contract. This next contract, you're not going to see Dre. I mean, Dre's going to continue to play good ball, but he's not going to play like it's a contract year. You know, at some point he will regress. Maybe that's not. Maybe that's years away. I don't know. But at some point he will regress. But how much more room does Reggie have to grow? And at how long do you maintain high level play of Blake Griffin? And you have to look at it as hey, if you ride out with these guys, you will ride out with these guys. You know? And, and it just it circles back to my point on this injury uh you know, this just horrible injury luck. Back to Dwayne Casey. We can't freak out on Dwayne Casey for trying different things. Yep. You know, doing what Seems kind of crazy to us in the moment when his team is never there. Yep. Never healthy. And it's also early. It's also early. He's got to figure something season. out. If if he's going to be riding out with constant injuries and load management and all this stuff, he's got to figure something out. 
it's better he does it early and, you know, has these experiments and tries these things. Sure, seeing that lineup yesterday, could you immediately tell this is going to be terrible? Of course. But he has to try something. Right. When you never have your team there together fully ever. Yep. And especially when the biggest part of it's not there. That really it's determines impossible. how much you're going to win and lose. And plus, you get guys limited at practice, so you can't build any chemistry in practice. You guys got you know that aren't practicing, whatever the case is. It's not even yeah. It's, some people don't even think about it. it's not just missing games. It's missing workouts. It's missing practice. It's missing drills. It's guys. Then you take two, three, four days of being out on the injury list. You're kind of falling out of shape. You know, especially if it's something with like a, a quad or leg injury, a hamstring, where you're not really able to run and stay active and you need to rest. You know, those guys are in such, you know, an elite shape that when you take three, four, five days off like that, you fall a little behind. And now it takes a couple days to get back in rhythm. You know? So it, it, it I, I don't, it's crazy. It's not crazy. It's comical to me the way that people react. This is not a team it's not like the Houston Rockets at the beginning of last year that people like, Oh dude, you know, Rockets are going to win. It was the beginning of last year where they struggled early and then they turned it around with the Rockets. Um, or I think of a different team where it's like, Hey, we expect to be really good. And yeah, you know, we're not that good. I mean, hell it's not even last year's Boston Celtics where, Hey, Boston could win the East. And yeah, you know, they looked like an okay team through the regular season. I think they were the four seed. People thought they could be the one seed, and they underperformed. You know, this isn't that. This is a team we said could cap out at the six seed. That's not a compliment in the Eastern Conference. It's not. I... I don't even know what to say. It's just uh, like, Aaron, you've been pretty quiet. Like, yes. this whole this, podcast. Th- that's how you know it's bad. I've yeah, been no, trying. Aaron, 100%. Aaron will do. Aaron, you got to understand. Aaron, for a long time, has found any way possible to defend and justify because he really, really, really wants to see this team and this organization turn it around, and he really buys in and believes in what they're doing because he wants it to work so bad, right? And when Aaron stays quiet. Aaron's not the guy that's going to come out here and just trash the front office, trash Dwayne Casey, trash players. That's not who he is. But when he stays quiet, that's when you know. He's kind of at a loss. It's just. I've tried to figure out things to say throughout the show. I tried to figure out what I was going to say before the show began. And I just, I don't know what to say. I feel that pain. That's why I've been stumbling over myself. Like I don't know. know what to really say. It's. It's just an injury-laden team that when they have these type of injuries, they can't, they're just not very good. No. Like, I wrote I wrote about the Pistons' struggles this week. I wrote, you know, a, a story about how Reggie Jackson isn't going to help this team like some people are saying when he gets back, if he gets back, because the Pistons have been awfully quiet about what's really going on with Reggie Jackson. Uh, and it sounds like the back issue is pretty bad. Um but the Pistons have so many issues right now that they have to figure out whether it's the turnovers, the atrocious rebounding, the bad defense, the the interior defensive issues. They have so many issues on top of all the injuries that they've had to face that it's hard for me to contrive a way to see them coming out of this season you know, in a good position. And I've honestly spent a lot of time thinking about what this team looks like if they decide to blow it up. What do they look like without Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin? Who is the core that they rebuild with, that they restart with? Who do they have on the roster that they want to retool with? Sekou Dumboya, Luke Kennard, those seem like guys that will obviously be along for the rebuild if the Pistons decided to do that. But they have a ton of other young guys on the roster. Who else stays? Jordan Bone, Christian Wood, Don Maker, um, Kyrie Bruce Thomas, Kyrie. Bruce Brown. Yeah, all these different guys. Fima Hailuk, that they have potential, but do they have enough potential that you need to keep them around if you're going to start a full-on rebuild anyway? And that's what I've been spending a lot of time thinking about. And it's what I keep circling back to because 
I watch this team, and it's like even in the beginning against Atlanta, they should have kicked their behinds from the beginning. Atlanta had no John Collins. You know, they they didn't have Cam Reddish. They didn't have Kevin Herter. They didn't have a lot of their key guys, and even with them, I don't think Atlanta's that good of a team anyway. They're still just incredibly, incredibly young. And the Pistons went down like 20-something to 9. And, yeah, then they went on that run, and they were able to blow them out. That's great and everything. But it's like it still took them that time to get going, and it's like against those bad teams. Detroit hasn't beaten the bad teams this year. They've lost to the Bulls twice. They've lost to the Hornets. They've lost to the Hawks once. They lo- they've lost games to bad teams. And for a team that's you know hanging by the thread of mediocrity, you can't really go out and lose to bad teams on a consistent basis. So, you know, you look at these next five games for the Pistons where they play Orlando, who's going to be without Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic. They have Cleveland. They get another crack at Charlotte. Um, they have, you know, a favorable schedule. They need to go out and they need to win these next five games. It's not, it's not even like... Like a, uh, a thing you can really give some leeway on, you know they need to go four and one, five and zero. Oh. Their next five games are two against Charlotte, the Magic, the Spurs, and the Cavaliers. You need to go four and one or five and zero. Oh. In in all honesty, if you're going to be a playoff team, you need to win these games early on in the season against these bad teams. If the Pistons are going to do anything even in the realm of the term of winning this year, they need to go out and they just need to figure that the, the shit out. Like the way that they're playing is it, it says we need to tear this down. It says we need to rebuild, even with the injuries. Andre Drummond's not been good enough. 12 points and, and five turnovers against the Bucks. That's a game where no Blake Griffin, Luke Kennard didn't have a great game. If you're a star, if you're an all-star, if you're a max level player, you got to take that game over. He's. Can I just say real quick, because I want you to keep going, but man, he is making me look foolish from what I said like, what, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago or whatever, when I said Andre's killing it. He's playing like a top five player in the league. Since that statement, it has been all downhill. And it's not just on him. It's it's the whole team. It's on you. But no, my go- Yeah, it is on me. <laughs> my goodness, I am looking like a fool now. I was I bought in pretty hard. And rightfully, and, but rightfully so, but, but because you're right though. They're just they're, he, and I, I I know I've said this before on the podcast, but he's just got to find a happy medium. He can't have, you know, six points, fourteen rebounds, five turnovers, and f- five fouls, and then go for twenty five and twenty three the next game. He's just got to find a happy medium. Fifteen and fifteen, eighteen and fifteen, whatever. Those are great numbers. Just do that on a consistent basis because the this teetering and tottering of you know good and bad and, and another good game another bad game and another bad game another good game he's in foul trouble he's shooting twenty five percent from the field for a center that only shoots the ball from five feet and in like it's just it just doesn't add up and he's so much better than that but he's reverted back to. You know, not playing to his potential. And if you're going to be a max level player, if you're going to be the second best player on your team, which he currently is, you have to be better than that. You have to be more consistent than he is. And these last few weeks, he just has not been. And that affects the whole, the whole shebang, the whole show. So I don't know. The Pistons are just in a very bad spot right now. It, I tweeted about it early on, and it was very apparent. I feel like it was very apparent to everyone. No matter how well Blake does, or Luke does, or Rose does, or if Reggie's around, Reggie does, if Drummond is not playing at his level, this team is still going to struggle. And if he's going to be as inconsistent as he's been, it doesn't matter when everyone comes back. Right. Dre is so integral to this team's success. It just doesn't matter when everyone comes back. If he's just continuing to go up and down, up and down, the team's going to continue to go up and down, up and down. Real quick, I got Charlotte on the line. Yeah, whatever, we'll take your best offer. 
<laughs> I tweeted out some trade ideas uh, because, like I said, I spent a lot of time thinking about what the Pistons look like without Blake Griffin, without Andre Drummond, without Rudy Jackson. I spent a lot of time thinking about what their rebuild looks like. And I put together a little package for... Did I put together a package for Charlotte? I didn't because that news came out after the fact. What were your packages on? But just in terms... I put together a couple different trade ideas um, that would pretty much restart the Pistons. Let's hear them. I don't know if they're any good, but Charlotte... Or not Charlotte. uh, The Pistons in this trade with the Blazers would send Blake Griffin and Thon Maker for... Hassan Whiteside, Anthony Simons, Anthony Tolliver, and a 2021 first-round pick. Of course, Anthony Tolliver, get him back. Even though I'm a Tolliver guy. Hey, hey, you know what? I'm I, a Tolliver I, guy. I had, I had a narrative that I had to keep up with. So getting Sometimes Anthony Tolliver back, do what you, gotta you do. do what you got to do. Now here's my Hawks trade. Andre Drummond and Markeith Morris for DeAndre Hunter, Alan Crabb, and Bruno Fernando. Okay. Uh, my 76ers trade, Zaire Smith, Raul Neto, Jonah Bolden and a 2022nd round pick for Derrick Rose and Kyrie Thomas. And then my Rockets trade was Langston Galloway and Tim Frazier for Nene and a 2021 first round pick. Don't know if any of those are good, um, but just uh, some things that I threw together in a few minutes. I don't know what a Charlotte trade looks like for Drummond because if Charlotte has brain cells... I hope they do because it's an NBA franchise and whoever has the job, it's Mitch, Mitch Kupchak and whoever else is in that front office is getting paid millions of dollars to operate that team. They should not be giving up any of their young players outside of maybe like Malik Monk for Andre Drummond. They should be keeping P.J. Washington. They should be keeping Miles Bridges. They should be keeping Devontae Graham. And they should either be offering picks or they should be saying, We'll we'll just try in free agency to lure Drummond. Give me bridges for Drummond straight up. <laughs> um, the only honestly of your offers there, the only one that really stood out to me as exciting was your one with Atlanta. I really like DeAndre Hunter. I, I do too, and I, I I think you get some nice balance there. Crab's a guy that can come and play on the wing. You know, everybody here had a nice heart on for uh, Bruno Fernando. Big Bruno um, Fernando, we guys. Big Bruno big Fernando. Fernando. Palace of Pistons podcast was it's, sponsored by Bruno we are Fernando. St- I'm still a big Bruno guy. When he was playing the other night, it was like, God, take it easy on him. Like, give him a bucket. Like, like come on, <laughs> trade. Like, come on, just trade bucket. Just trade possession. Like, hey, you get this one, I get the next one. Like, toy with him a little bit. Come on. Like, give him a bucket. Give him a highlight play. Let him dunk, not over you, but just like, let him get around you. Come on. You know, um, so big Bruno guy, and I like DeAndre Hunter. I think that there's there's something there you could work with, but it's also a, it's a way to just kind of move that money and move forward. You don't bring in anybody that's going to bog you down, and it, it, it's if, just it's a good. I think that's a solid step. If nothing else, uh, that's the trade that sticks out to me too. And if nothing else, not Bruno Fernando, nothing else in that trade, I think DeAndre Hunter is more than just there. May be something there. I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be real good in this league. And I think he has that potential. Yeah. And, but at the same time, it's like, why would the Hawks give up that potential? Right. I think an Andre Drummond with a Trey Young and a John Collins, I think there's there's something to that. I do too. So that's why I see where that potential can go in that trade. Um, so it's not just like, oh, yeah, just give me the best player. I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. Nothing makes sense. No. Well, the thing is... I, Atlanta also has some wings. They have Cam Reddish. Yeah, right. They have, they Reddish, have Kevin Herter. And Herter. Exactly. Um, they need like, a center. Like, that's been yes. the talk. And Atlanta's been one of those teams that, you know, when Andre Drummond was, is, you know, who's set to be a free agent, Atlanta's been one of those teams that's been brought up as a landing spot for right. Drummond. So if they wanted to make sure they could get him and, and they saw a future with Trey, John Collins, Andre Drummond, and then whichever Cam wings Reddish. step up out of Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter. Uh, you know, and and they can go from there. But yeah, that's that's the one that stood out to me. I like that one. Yeah, I'll be honest. The other ones didn't do anything too crazy for me, especially the two that didn't include Dre. Um, but I I still feel like I was doing it from a standpoint of I rebuilding gotcha. the I got gotcha. yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. I, gotcha. I do think uh, a Portland is gonna constantly be on the phone for Blake Griffin. I think they're gonna hit desperation mode. 
pretty quickly here because they're struggling a little bit right now. I would, you know what? And I would like that for Blake Griffin. Oh, oh, he I could... want the best for Blake Griffin, dude. Like I, I said, yes. I'm already put his jersey in the in the, the Pistons Raptors type of guy, dude. I love Blake. Him going off for 24 the other night was awesome. Made me so happy. But at the end of the day, is it kind of empty? Because it's, is this team going anywhere? That's the problem. And that's been the problem since the beginning. It, it's like, I think Blake, with where the Pistons are and what they've done with him in town, Blake's kind of done what he's going to do for Detroit. And that is, he re-engaged some fans, some youthful fans kind of bought into the franchise. But now comes the hard part where, hey, we're not going to win here. And you deserve better. Does he need to be this generation's Grant Hill for Detroit Pistons? Uh, very possibly. Sacrifice that Hall of Fame level player to take that next step to change change the direction? Yep. Is he that sacrificial lamb? Grant Hill had injuries. Blake Griffin has injuries. I don't know. A lot of it lines up, guys. I just, it kind of does. <laughs> if the Pistons decide to rebuild and tear it down... I just want them to make sure Blake Griffin is sent to a competitive oh, team absolutely. Yeah. where they have an opportunity to really win something. And I think if you put Damian Lillard, Blake Griffin, and C.J. McCollum on the same team and they'll get Yusef Nurkic back, that's enough right there. In an NBA that's dulled down a little bit, there's no more you know true big threes. There's a lot of big twos. Portland could really, really yeah. be something if they Dynamic could Dynamic duo, Griffin. it's not big twos. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> if that's what you're going to pick on me on this week, I'll take it. But uh, you know what? If they do tear it down, put Blake somewhere nice. Agreed. Oh, and I think they will. I, I don't think they just yeah, mess around. I feel like we're talking about, like, uh, give them a great resting spot. It's time in the afterlife, you know? <laughs> Like have it, some respect, right? It's like funeral arrangements. You know? it, it is though for the Pistons in it a way. Really is. And that is funeral arrangements. Because for the Pistons. because at that point you let Reggie walk, you trade Dre, you trade Blake, you blow it up. Yeah, I mean it's it's gone. I mean honestly you probably get rid of Rose too. Probably yes, yes, get rid of Rose, Rose too. Will have trade value. Absolutely, absolutely. And he's not going to have a ton of trade value. I mean the trade with Philadelphia wasn't you know all that exciting, but you get a guy like Zaire Smith who's. A little bit of a project, a little bit of a you know right. a flyer, right? Those guys, you know, that, you take your chances see, okay. on those when you're a rebuilding I'm, team. The, if you go forward with the rebuild, the type of pieces you could put in place could accelerate this rebuild. Absolutely, because you already have two foundational pieces. Like you wouldn't have to blow it up in its entirety. You have your point guard and your shooting guard of the future, and now you've got to fill out some depth. And you've got to fill out the final three spots in your starting lineup. And, and and it's very possible to do that if you're able to make the right trades, acquire a great pick. And if, if you play to a level where you're getting a top six pick, and you could take that pick, and you could take maybe one piece you land in a trade, and maybe you're able to sign one big free agent. I mean, this doesn't need to be a five-year teardown rebuild. This needs to be a unload get some talent back, replace with some young talent, and in two years expect to be, at a minimum, at the same level of competitiveness you're at right now, you know? Yeah. With, with younger guys. With, with younger brighter, and with a, a brighter, brighter outlook. Upside. Yeah. With a better outlook. You know, a rebuild. Because a don't forget, you still got Seiku coming up the ranks too. Yes. And, and he's going to be a piece. Now, it's, obviously, it's not this year. It might not even be next year. But maybe it's it's two years from now. Right, I think next year he's on the NBA roster, though. Oh, uh, yes. If the know. Pistons, if the even if the Pistons tear it down this year, then Seiko immediately needs to be brought up and given absolutely oh, heavy oh, minutes. Absolutely. If, if, the, if a Blake and Andre trade were to go through this, oh, year, yeah, Seiko Seiko comes up. immediately up playing. I'm sorry, like that's absolutely. just what has to be absolutely. And uh, a tear down and a rebuild is not exactly where I wanted this pod to go. Not like the vision I had for it. But when you really take into account everything that's happening with this team. I mean, unless you know Blake comes back and everyone finds health and they just throw it together and, and, the and they just right. gel, what is the outlook? Like, where are we going? What are we doing? We spent the last fifteen minutes talking about a rebuild. The Pistons could very well go five and zero with these next five easy games, and we're like totally. And we're back in. Well, it. How do the Pistons go yeah, and get Bradley Beal? Right. What's um, the move? What's the move that's going to help well, them win the a series? They like haven't that. shown that they're going to be aggressive to make that move. So if you're not going to go all in. Then don't sit in the middle. 
either go like I don't want the Pistons to be the Lions and just like the Lions in the offseason they bought in and it's kind of like in a relative if you make the comparison the Pistons went all in by you know obviously when you make the Blake trade now you sign D Rose like you made an offseason move that indicated you were all in to compete right just like the Detroit Lions in the NFL they go out and they make some moves to show they're all in to compete they get into the regular season, and the deadline comes around, and it's like, hey, you really need a running back with on Johnson out. You don't go sign anybody. You don't make a move to get a running back. Oh, hey, your corner, Darius Slay, probably not a long-term guy here in Detroit. You could move him and get some other pieces that help you this year and beyond. right? Maybe that means you're out on this year, but it helps you going forward. You didn't go outside a running back. You didn't go out and trade Darius Slay to acquire some pieces for the future. You sat in the middle. And well, and they traded. Um, oh, what's his name? Who they was Quandre it? Diggs? Quandre Diggs. Diggs. I yeah. almost said Glover Quinn, but so you no. so you sat in the middle. The Pistons, if they don't make a move and they sit in the middle, I, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm gonna be. I, I'm gonna be. I, I really do want to get. I trust in the front office because the front office is. I still think done a very good job led by Ed Stefanski. I really believe in them, and I believe in Dwayne Casey as a coach. But if at the deadline the Pistons sit in the middle, I don't care if they go all in and they make a move to help make a push with this core. Like if they're bought in and Tom Gores is saying this is what you're doing, they go out and make a move that helps them compete for the short term. Fine. They go out and make a move that helps them move forward for the future and it takes them out of competition for this year, I'm fine. I'm not at a point where I'm emotionally invested to the point of they need to win, they need to win, they need to win. They don't have to. They, but they need to make a sta- they need to show their stance. They, well, my final piece is, to your point of going all in, this franchise has been in neutral for the last 12 years. Yeah, They're out of time. In my opinion, they're they're out of time. Yep. I don't care that this is a new front office. This franchise in general is out of time. One way or another, you have to go all in. Yep. I mean, it's that, that doesn't mean bringing in Bradley Beal. They don't have the assets for that. But making a move, like you said, that helps them compete, or you get rid of Dre, you get rid of Blake, you get rid of Derrick Rose, and you tear it down. Yeah. Make some sort of stand. Yep. This is what we're doing. We this. This city, sports in general, has been in neutral for way too long. It's way too long. It's making the city stir-crazy. And I really, I, I hope and wish that Tom Gores would recognize that. And the Pistons can be the first one exactly. to finally take because a stand. Because Stevie Y is going to get it right with the Wings. With It's going to take a couple years, but he's going to get it right. And think... If the Pistons lead the charge, then the Red Wings come forward, and now all of a sudden you have two teams, same building, the electricity in there, it'd be amazing. Now all of a sudden, hey, maybe three years down the line, you start getting some baseball back in this town. I'm never going to talk about the Lions Because it's never been in town. Because it's never been in town. So I'm, like, they're not in the conversation. Tigers are not going something. anywhere with Alex Avila. I'll tell you that much. Well, well that's a conversation. For that's another a, that's day. another. That's a different pod. podcast. A different podcast show, but uh, Avila is no, taking the. Tigers but Detroit nowhere. sports fans know what we're talking about. The Pistons have the opportunity to be the first team to stop being in neutral and to take a stand. Yep. I the, right now with the way things are, Detroit fans will be receptive and okay with a teardown. Honestly, like if. I'm not like rebuild like just tanking for tanking sink sucks and I hate it. But if there's some sort of strategy behind we and it's That's not like thing. tanking though. You it's have not really tanking. You have with Seiku in your system, you have your point guard, your shooting guard, your small forward of the future. In theory. You need to build and depth can, and you need to get that centerpiece. And you and well that to go back to DeAndre Hunter, I really wanted to get DeAndre Hunter on the Pistons because it gave Detroit a one, two, three, four. Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, DeAndre Hunter, Sekou Dumbo. And actually, I think Sekou has to just. Kind I feel Sekou's going to be a four. four. I'm pretty I sure Sekou's that seems like that's where this is headed. He's yeah. getting it seems like he's getting minutes at the five in Grand Rapids. Yeah. So I think they're Hell, like I'm fine with that. Give me a small ball five. Like, I'm okay with I that. I think he's going to be a four. I, I I don't know. I think he ends up being a four. He can play the three. He's played some three in Grand Rapids, but he's also played some four and five. I think at six, you know, six nine, six ten with his wingspan, he's going to end up being. Okay. I would it's, love it's, some when versatility. You're, when you're six nine, six ten, you can play the wing, but you're also two forty five. Yep, and you're still growing because you're only eighteen years old. Yep, it just 
yeah, maybe he's going to be like an awesome four wing type player, but it, it leads me to believe he's going to be a Dude, four, develop into a four. Th- think about it. Seku comes up. What's is Seku about six ten? Yeah, he's six nine, six ten. Okay, let's say he comes up and plays the five. Just think about this for a minute. And you have a freak athlete at the five. You go get a centerpiece small forward to where and now you just get. You, you probably need a stretch four um, to play in this lineup. But it's like a four that can direct, defend the perimeter. He's not. He's not a full time center. He's not, not a full time. No, 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 no. Let's no. not go down Aaron, this path. No, 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 no. I'm not. This is not a full time lineup. This is not a starting lineup. This is just a look. I'm just saying. Think about. We got to talk something positive to end the show. Dream of something. We just talked about getting Bradley Beal. Dream, the dream, dream of a Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, Sekou at the five, a centerpiece small forward, and name that stretch four as a lineup. Oh my god! Come on, it gives me chills, dude. Gives me chills. But more realistically, Sekou, if he can develop to that Pascal Siakam type at the four, you get a you get more of a just. A rim protecting, rebounding five, um, you know that can defend the perimeter a little God, bit. If Seku becomes Pascal Siakam, and the Pistons have a true, like not that Blake Griffin's not a star, but if the Pistons have a true like young star, up and coming star, homegrown, oh my homegrown, yes, star. Blake Griffin is an absolute star. This is no disrespect to Blake Griffin in any sense of the imagination. But if the Pistons could have a young, homegrown star in Seku, because Pascal Siakam is an absolute star, my goodness. And think, if the Pistons were to position themselves to get a solid draft pick this year, maybe that small forward of the future is going to be available for them in June. Meanwhile, Seku airballed his only shot yesterday in his NBA debut. But uh, let's continue. <laughs> uh, the adrenaline, hey, the adrenaline. By the way, Jordan Bone looks pretty good, too. Woo! I points hate, in two what? minutes. I said... Jordan Bone's a guy who's going to get a look. He's going to. He is a solid player. That Pressure. doesn't mean some star starting point guard or anything like that, but that could, that's a very nice backup point guard to have going forward. Yep. Tim Frazier's very much in trouble after this year. Yes. That's yes, very much is. Jordan Bone's roster spot next year, if he continues on right. this path. Heck, if you end up blowing it up and trading away Rose... Maybe Bone slides up to Tim, the backup point guard. And that's my I gotta, thought. I if you blow it up, I'd rather see the youth just come up and play. I, I want to talk about Tim Frazier for a second here. Tim Frazier's my Glenn Robinson this year. Glenn Robinson was put in a terrible position last year to succeed. Now he's in Golden State, and he's productive. He's starting. He's playing well. Tim Frazier is my Glenn Robinson this year because he's not being put in a position to succeed. He's being thrown out there for two-minute spurts with bad lineups and – you know, it's he hasn't played well, which is on him. Hey, but he's by just the not way, being Golden put in the State's the worst team in the NBA this year, so it's not that great that he's starting for Golden State. They're but Glenn Robinson is being productive there, and Glenn Robinson could have been productive in Detroit, but was not put in the correct position to succeed. You know what? Pisses I will me die off. on this hill. So thank you very much. Let's end the pod on this note. Golden State is going to be the worst team in basketball this year. They're going to get a top three pick. And then they're going to add that top three pick to D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry, and they'll probably have some money to play with. And Clay Thompson, uh, and draw and Clay Thompson, duh. Uh, so they'll have Steph, Clay, D'Lo, Draymond Green. Name that top three. What pick. an all-time finesse by Golden State, huh? They just what decided an all-time they were gonna, finesse. They, brought, they got the new arena, and they're like, all right, let's take a year off, and we'll we'll, we'll restart. It's just like we'll just everyone hit the just take, just like, God, take hey, a hey, year. Hey, some like some teams are playing checkers. Some teams like the Pistons are like playing jacks, and then there's freaking Golden State. They're just playing chess, baby. Four D chess, man. Hey, we've played into. Uh, late June or whatever, for or mid June for the last five years. Let's all recoup our bodies. Let's hit that reset and let's go back at it next year. What if that? Like the literally oh, an all time move. It's and just like come on. They still dude. they still went out and drafted a guy named Eric Pascal. That I know looks absolutely Abs- insane. Yes. And Jordan Poole is getting like all the opportunity in the world to develop, even though he's shooting like twenty percent from the field and twenty percent from the three point line. God, but he's getting that, that is opportunity the sexiest three and fourteen you could ever what? imagine. It's just an all time move. Like we will look back on this in twenty years and just be like, "What the hell? They played the league like a fiddle." 
It's just it's unbelievable. It's it, it, if I'm Golden State, like I don't want Clay or Steph to play again this year. Steve Kerr is going to take like a, a leave of absence, like in the middle like, of the season. They're literally they, like he's just going to go rehab his back, smoke they, a ton of weed, he'll come back. That's what he, and, yeah, that's exactly what he's going to do. Like seriously, they've gone so deep for the in the playoffs and playing games for the past six, seven years, whatever it's been. Reel it back. Let's relax. Let's get right. And let's just go win again in the next year. Yep. Well, I mean, it's just... It's, why can't we have a franchise like that here? I, uh, God, it's just so, like... It's just so forward-thinking. Dude, think, of, think about that! When they draft Anthony Edwards next year, I'm going to be fucking pissed. What if they were to pull off, like, a James Wiseman? Oh, man. I don't know, dude. I, I don't know about... I don't know how much I buy into James Wiseman. Early, like... Early stuff with all these prospects. I really like Anthony Edwards. I do too. I oh, really like enough. Anthony. Fair it's enough. Like, they're, they're not going to get... take a Lamelo. They're not going to take a Cole Anthony. No. They're they're very much looking at a wing. Or I guess if they go big with with James Wiseman, but they're like, looking at a stretch forward that could play the three or the four. You know, that's what yeah. they, that that's what they're adding to that. Meanwhile, they're adding to that so that if a guy like D'Lo or if a guy like even maybe Draymond decides to move on, they just have the next piece. Yeah, they still, like I don't. They're think, still going to end up trading D'Lo this year and, and getting something of return for him, probably whether it's you know a pick or whatever. Well, I'll put it this way: yeah, it all depends on where they're shaking out in in the draft positioning, and then it's hey, you know they they got to solidify either. They're five of the future, or they're three of the future. If Clay comes in, you know, if Clay's back playing the two, Steph's back playing the one, and it's like you can take your pick. You go solidify your five of the future in the trade market, or you go solidify your it five doesn't, of the future it in doesn't the draft. Even matter. And the so inverse sad. will happen. They're so sad for the future. It's unreal. They took a year off, and they're gonna reload with Steph, Clay, D'Lo, Draymond, a top five pick. Pascal, Pascal, Jordan Poole. It's, like Le- it's just like bullshit, LeBron. Man. Enjoy your year, dude. Enjoy it. Yeah, this Ka- is the only year you will have. LeBron, lost. you better beat the Clippers this year, or it's you're never because it's over. about to be a real, real battle for California here soon, boys. Because Golden State's coming back hot with a vengeance. Oh, oh, and they're with gonna they're gonna end up with Iggy back next year too, because that's just like yeah. Iggy's taking a year off yeah, as well. That's that's what this retirement was. Just uh, just a year off. So yeah, like. God dang it. That dude, that's it's, nuts. That's wow. nuts. I'm glad our positive piece was for another franchise. This is a Golden State Warriors podcast now, by the way. Can yeah. I be a Warriors fan now and actually yeah. like not be ashamed of it? Okay, great. Um I was I was a Warriors fan when they were were the one of the worst teams in the league. Just saying. Baron Davis days. Oh, I'm, I'm talking Ellis, about I'm talking Monte about the D'Angelo Ellis. Russell days. <laughs> I'm talking about the D'Angelo Russell Warrior right. days. Wow, you don't know. I was a fan of those Warriors. You don't know the vintage Warriors. Montage Oh, my God. Even Jason Richardson. So, Sasa Pachulia. Jason Richardson. Anthony Tolliver. Anthony Tolliver. I mean, come on, dude. Lineups, bro. Lineups. Insane. Insane. But uh, back in Detroit, I guess. Right. So uh, Jordan Bone looks Jordan pretty Bone good, looks right, pretty guys? Solid in the G League. Back yeah. in Detroit, winter is coming. Winter, winter is <laughs> calm. Winter is here, calm. guys. Winter is here. Uh, at I, least some of us understood that reference. Yeah. I hope you did too. But with that being said, this pod went fifty-seven plus minutes, and uh, I'm shocked. So I was like, are we going to even make it to 30 minutes it, By the time you add in this intro, outro, all that, you're going to be close to 59 minutes on this pod. So yeah, we're going to wrap We're going to wrap this thing up. Let's, any final, please. Any final words, boys? There's a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of big-time decisions coming up on the horizon here for the Pistons. Agreed. We'll see what happens. I'll leave, I'll leave my final words at this. Jordan Bone looks pretty good, eh? <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> damn it. I, I don't have, I I uh, I don't know. Let's just let's just wrap it up. Brennan, Brennan, do the do the do the things. Do the things. So it, do the it, plugs. You know, hey, hey, plug hey, it. If Aaron didn't ruin it for you for today, you can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Check us out, palsofpistons.com. Check us out on Twitter, Pals of Pistons. Personal Twitters are A Johnson NBA at Ryan Pay. Myself is Media Brendan. We're on Instagram at Palace Pistons. You know, we're on SoundCloud, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube. Facebook, the Spotify whole now. Spotify. We're on Spotify Come now. On. It's everywhere. We are Palace of Pistons. We're growing. This is awesome stuff. 
The timeline is now going to be an hour for this podcast. This is nuts because the Pistons are terrible right now. Hopefully next week they're better with some favorable games coming up. Until then, we'll see you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.